Yes, yes, yes. Welcome, guys. Welcome to another episode of Hustle Smart. Welcome back. Welcome back. So, Shub's here with Lex, and today we have a really great guest, Tej. Could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Tej. Uh, I have a podcast. I am a property investor. I do some stuff on Instagram and YouTube and document my journey. Uh, I've written two books. I also mentor and educate people. And uh, yeah, at the moment, I'm actually buying businesses. I'm buying MOT car garages, which might include a property element, might not. And I invest in crypto as well, which is very interesting, especially at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, crypto very... market is... Yeah, let's not look at my yeah, portfolio. Let's I don't just even keep know what to call it right yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a bit of a bloodbath. Yeah, we'll, definitely blood we'll, we'll, the we'll re- revisit in about two years or so. Yeah, <laughs> it might take that long, yeah. yeah. yeah but yeah, no, so firstly, um, thank you for being on the show. Um, listeners of your podcast and watching your journey and so so grateful to have you here. Um, so for those who don't know, how did um, your journey in property start or where, how's your entrepreneurial journey started in general? Yeah, so I went to university, got a degree in biochemistry, you know, good Indian boy, I was kind of heading in the right track. Yeah. And then I got a job after like 50 interviews. And I thought, firstly, I thought, I just got a degree from a decent uni, got mm. a decent grade, 50, okay, fine. So let's park that. I was like, it's a bit weird. Got a job, kind of enjoyed it was really confused why I had to stay past 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. when my contract was 5 p.m. And I was mm-hmm. like, hold on a minute. Why is everyone staying here? So I said to the boss, like, we get paid after five, right? Like, it continues. She laughed at me. Literally laughed. I was like, <laughs> child, no, mm-hmm. it's not how it mm-hmm. I was like, that's really weird. Like, why are you here? Because I don't enjoy this that much to be here. So, anyways, that was kind of like, these, all these things were putting something in my head like, what is this? Like, why is this normal? I then quit that job, uh, got another job, got a nice big pay rise and thought, okay, cool. This is the life, you know, pay rise. And I started hating a commute and I thought, oh, an hour every morning, got to change, change like three times, got to yeah, change my yeah. shoes, got to bring my like food into work. Like, I was just like, what is this? Like, it's not comfortable. And then I got fired. Mm. So imagine going home to my mum. Silence is what she gave me, which is worse than yeah. I think like being told anything. It was yeah, just yeah, silent yeah. Yeah. saying, yeah, thanks for, you know, the degree and everything. But um, yeah, I kind of lost my job. I'm going to start a new business. So I then set up a recruitment business. Um, you know, I lost touch with pharma. I was working in like biotech and bioeducation. And I just lost faith in pharmaceuticals and their ethics. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I mean, I saw some of it myself. And then I set up a recruitment business, which is not the most ethical thing, but you know, I set that up because I had a friend who had a recruitment business and he was going to mentor me. Still waiting for the mentoring. So you know, <laughs> if you see that, let me know. Um, and it was, a, it was a business where what you put in is kind of what you get out. Like if I make 100 calls, I place three people, I make 10 grand, cool. It was easy. What's in is what you get out. Cool. Did that for like three or four years. Um, it was kind of golden handcuffs. It was making money, but I hated it. And so I think a lot of people are in this position in their jobs or in life where it's like, it's paying the bills, it's paying the mortgage, paying for the childcare, but I hate it. And how do you leave? And I think the older you get, the harder it is. Um, But because it was my own business, it was a bit different. So, you know, I was doubling profit and turnover every single year. It was going great. It's just not for me. I'm just not a recruiter. I'm just not that guy. Hmm. So I started working in-house for some companies like Babylon Health, like a GP app on your phone and building their marketing team. Great got paid way too much to do way too little, which was fine. Um, And then as that was coming sort of not to an end, but I sort of was looking for an asset, like an investment that would like pay you while you sleep because recruitment was exactly the opposite. It was what you put in is what you get out. I wanted to put something in, 
and then get stuff out of the long term. So listen to podcasts, started my own, read some books, went to networking, met people, did loads of stuff. And then that kind of got me into property, really. So how did you kind of go about getting getting your first property? Because that's yeah. a like that's a classic thing that a lot of people who are interested in property, they they don't they don't necessarily have the funds or I know there's a lot of like avenues you can go down rent to rent or service yeah. accommodation, et cetera, et cetera, right? But yeah, like kind of take us on that journey as well. So the first thing before even getting the property was learning, like like you said about all these strategies and mm. thinking, well, you know, is that for me? Like I was looking at rent to rent because I wanted to sort of quit my business, have some cash flow. But then I looked at my bank account and said, well, I've got enough savings here for a year. Mm. Why am I chasing rent to rent when I'm not going to enjoy it? So I just put that to the side and said, forget it. Mm. But a lot of people will chase a strategy or something because you're doing it. Mm. Oh, it's elected. I want to do it. Or, oh, it looks really good. I needed to do what works for me. So yeah. I didn't do rent to rent. I went straight into kind of single vanilla, you know, buy to lets mm. or the BRR model, which we can speak about. And it's slow. You know, it does take a while. You need quite a few of them to actually generate some decent income. Mm. But I had enough savings for that. So it worked out for me. And I wasn't in a super rush. So I spent four months educating myself, which is a slow way, right? It was Mm. meeting people, paying for their Nando's, saying, can I pick your brain? Podcasts, books, Googling, YouTube, you know, just trying to piece together all these things, which didn't, I mean, it worked, Mm. but it didn't work as well as it could have if I'd paid for education or had a mentor or something like that. So once I'd done the education, you know, I was, I picked an area, I was analyzing deals, looking, looking, looking. And one of them just was good. And I suppose I looked at it and thought, well, this could all go wrong. I could be totally off, but let me run it past my network, right? That I'd kind of built up. And I said, look, I don't know what I'm doing really. Is this a good deal? Mm. Pretty much everyone said, yeah, you know, here's your risks, which I'd already seen. And, you know, it did enough kind of due diligence and research. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty much, I don't want to say jumped in, but I took the risk. I took the plunge. Yep. I moved the spreadsheet to the side and said, okay, the spreadsheet works. Let me buy this deal. Mm. Um, and I used about £30,000 of my own money for mm. my recruitment business. The rest was from a family member and investor. Mm-hmm. It is difficult to get invested on your first deal, but it was a family member, pretty easy. Yeah. And after that, I've not used a single pound of my own money. It's all been investor money. So what does, so, so what does, um, I've got two questions. What does a, a good deal look like? Because mm-hmm. I think that's also a classic question that people ask. And how would, what advice would you give to people who want to get investment? Cool. So a good deal. So firstly, to caveat it, it is personal mm-hmm. because I might want a 25% return where you might need a 40% return. Mm. And so basically someone showing us a deal or us both on right move, you're going to look at way less than me and I'm going to look at way more than you. So the first thing is for people watching and listening, a, a good deal is what works for you. Um, and what works for your income requirements and your strategy and where you're based. You know, a deal in London has a rubbish return yield cash flow compared to something in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. I, I might like that, but you might not. Um, I think for me, a good deal generally is in a decent area. Not the best. We're not buying in Mayfair, you know, or the Mayfair of an area. We're buying in the average areas, mm-hmm. um, but it has to be a decent area. For me, you have to be able to add value. So I want to be able to come in do a refurb, do some legal magic, whatever, and add money to it so I can pull it out later. I don't just want a ready-made buy-to-let, just rent it out. Like For me, that doesn't work, but it might for someone else. Uh, I think a good deal, I mean, capital appreciation is important. We want it to go up in value over time. 
I'm not overly fussed about that because it's everywhere and it happens all the time. I mean, there's a few areas where maybe it's not, but generally it's everywhere. Um, I would look at capital appreciation because in five or 10 years, you'll look back and you'll be like, whoa, I bought that for 100. Now it's worth 170. Do you know what? Okay. It's crazy you said that because so I was scrolling on Instagram. One of the blogs said like the, one of the ho- oldest um, homeowners saw her property increase from like 500 pounds to like half a million. Like, it's just crazy, do you know what I mean? That's, that's the reality, especially in London. Like, yeah. like, that is the reality of it. Like, it's crazy. Mm. And when you think that, you know, accepting their age, you can take that money out. Yeah. If I, if I was like, you know what, I want to buy some more houses, I can remortgage that, mm. depending. So there's there's a lot of secret wealth that people don't realize they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have yeah. access to. And your second question was how to attract investors, was it? Mm. So, firstly, you're going to struggle on your first deal, right? Because you know, I suppose it's a question for you guys, but, you know, would you give your money to someone who's totally fresh, never done a deal before and says, hi, I want a hundred grand? No. Would you? No. Would you give it to someone who says, yeah, I've done 10, do it in my sleep. I've been through everything, all the mistakes. You've, you've followed the journey. Mm. I've done it. Would you give a hundred grand? Yeah. Yep. There we go. So that says it all, right? So yes, you can get investment for your first deal, but by documenting, showing and highlighting the ups and the downs, um, and showing that you're learning and you're still learning on every single deal and you're authentic. Uh, people want to know who you are and who you are. They don't mm. want to know who you think you should be for the camera. So by being your true self, by telling everyone what you do, mm. like th- you will raise investment. But like how many people speak to the postman? When was the last time they spoke to your postman for more than 10 seconds? Um, yeah. When was the last time someone spotted you in the gym and you maybe had more of a conversation, not just thanks, bro. Exactly. Yeah. And if you, if you had these conversations... What you know? What are the chances that someone spotting you says, "Oh, yeah, I've got like fifty grand saved up from contracting. I don't know what to do with it." Mm-hmm. You're thinking, "Well, inflation's at who knows fifteen, twenty percent in real life, and they're in the bank at point two percent, if that." And you're like, "Well, I can give you six percent. I can give you eight percent." There's a conversation. The postman potentially has a big pension. You know, mm-hmm. potentially has savings for life. You know, from working in the Royal Mail for ages, they could be your investor. I had an osteopath who you know was sorting out my shoulder. We're just chatting. Yeah. He's got 120 grand. And then he bought my book afterwards. He goes, oh, I've read your book. And blah, blah, blah. It's like, wow. Yeah. So telling everyone what you do for me is the single biggest piece of advice. Even if you're learning the family barbecue, don't just do the typical thing where you see your uncles and aunties. Oh, how are you doing? Yeah, are you growing? Blah, blah, blah. Just drop it in. Do you know, do you know what? Yeah. Oh, good. So I've got a newsletter, right? And I, so I write every week. And this week I was talking about the six degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. How we're always like six, like mutual connections from anyone in the world. And in there, I also kind of talked about the importance of talking about your dreams, your ambitions and stuff. Like, we're kind of taught not to speak on things like that because of evil eye or like, never let anyone know your next Mm. move and stuff like that. So we hold a lot of things to our chest, but like, you just saying you were speaking to your osteopath who said they have 120Ks, like, if you don't tell people what you do, what you're about, your dreams and stuff like that, people will know how to help you or know how to help work with you as well. So that 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 to me just stands out a lot. And I think you also make a good point, right? Because I think living in London, a lot of people are just on go, <laughs> right? So it's like, oh, you know what? I ain't got time today. I don't no have time for this, I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, 
just slow down mm. as well and actually take that time because it it might pay dividends. So yeah, like, yeah, like, like be present in the moment. Like yeah, exactly. sit in the family barbecue, actually dig deeper than just the small yeah. chat and stuff. Because yeah. property is something that we know culturally in England, everyone's interested in it. Yeah, you true. bring it up at dinner. They're interested. Everyone's got, oh, I used to have a bike to like, oh, I bought a property in space. It's like, there's always, always a connection. So it's not like you're bringing up something random, like, yeah, guys, I'm investing in whale skin or something random. Like, you're mm. actually saying what we're sitting in, what we, like, what we live is a commodity. Mm. Um, and I think, I live in the countryside, so we chat to people for like 10 minutes every, like, it's just totally different. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, And so yeah. everyone's super, fr- even on a yeah. walk, you could literally end up like talking to someone, but you know, the six degrees of separation is so important and you can't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, like, exactly. A lot of people, you know, go broke trying to look rich. Yeah. Yep. Where there's a lot of rich people out there with stains on their clothes, mm-hmm. taking a little Tesco's bag to the gym and, you know, trying to pay a Nissan Micra, but at home is the Wraith and the mm-hmm. color. Like you, so you just never know who has money. As yeah. Well. I got, I got a question. So, obviously you invest in property. You've, I'm, I'm sure you've made, you've made um, a good amount of return, right? So, have you been subject to like lifestyle inflation? So you mean me, me being more bougie? Yeah, in, in, in essence, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in essence. Um, yes, but I've spent my life doing the typical Indian thing of just saving, 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 mm. saving, saving, never spending anything. Not by, I mean, clothes. I don't buy new clothes. I recently bought not a new car, but it's a car that eats petrol like it's going out of fashion. Um, and yeah, the maintenance is expensive, and you know, it, it is also an investment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still shop at Tesco's. Mm. I get it delivered now, so that might count as as me being a bit bougie. But you know what? I don't think I've had a lifestyle inflation. I think I consciously will pick certain things. Not one, because, hey, now I can afford them easier. Mm. But two, I know the return on it. Like before I might be like, oh, I'm not going to buy those new trousers or new top, even though my old ones don't fit me that well because I've lost weight or whatever. But now I'm just like, yeah, I'm buying them, whatever. It's not even a question. I just Because I know... When I turn up to an event or a meeting, I have to look good. Or I know, you know, like I bought this Fitbit for like 200 quid because the return on my health investment is huge. I I just bought it. There was no question. No hesitation. So yes, there has been a lifestyle inflation, but not to the extent like I think a lot of people do where it's unsustainable. Mm -hmm. If my income halved, I I can carry on. Um, Like I think, you know, People get, and this is a different topic, but people get money, they go to the dealership and say, well, what can I lease now? Mm. I've got a grand a month there. What can I lease? It's like, uh, why don't you put that into stocks and shares? Mm. And so I kind of look at it like, if I'm going to have a liability, I need to have, I don't know, three or four times as much as that costs me coming in from my portfolio. Mm. So if I want to lease a Porsche Cayman for 570, why do I know the exact price? But 570 pounds a month, I want to have 1,700 coming in from assets triple cover that so i'm sorted for that kind of thing um but even with my health i've got private healthcare now Mm -hmm. um and some stuff i can't go through there and i'm paying for it i might have to pay thousands of pounds for surgery i might have to pay i'm I'm paying 300 quid to see a doctor for half an hour yeah but there's no hesitation now because i know it's covered and because health is everything yeah yeah i I think again an excellent point right because even me like when i finished uni got my first job i was like yeah you know what i'm gonna just start buying so much shit (laughs) I mean, trainers, clothes. And I, and I got to a point, it was like a year and a bit later, I was looking at my wardrobe and I was like, if it all goes to shit, I can't eat this. You know what I mean? It's all, it's all, it's all devalued. I wore it. Yep. Some of it probably fucking stinks because, you know what I mean? Like, dirty basket. So that, I think like, comes to that realisation, like, okay, you know what? Something needs to change. And kind of, that's when I made that switch. And again, even with clothes, 
I only really buy things that are going to last mm-hmm. or that's going to have a residual value. Do you know what I mean? So, but like, you also, point. so um, on one of your podcast episodes, you mentioned the scarcity versus abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. And um, that although you said you're still quite picky on what you spend on, but you know there's things that you'll happily pay for. So like, obviously I don't really know much of your background growing up and stuff, but how did you find that kind of transition in terms of like, yeah, that scarcity to abundance mindset and stuff? Yeah, so to be fair, growing up, it was middle class. It was, there wasn't really any problems. Um, I didn't ask for much either. Mm. So maybe there would have been problems if I asked for stuff, but I doubt it. Both parents had decent jobs, decent incomes, grandparents, typical Indian grandparents. They're probably all millionaires, but you know, they don't tell you until randomly you find out or like, you know, and so it was kind of like everything was okay. It was comfortable. And this is not necessarily a good thing because I didn't have, I didn't necessarily get that hustler's instinct or I didn't get that kind of adversity that made me mm. say, I need to work hard. I had to sort of create that from a position of comfort. I'm not complaining mm. because I think we'd rather be comfortable than uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. Of course. But I think the most successful people you hear of all have adversity. Mm. They all came from somewhere low and are at the top of it. Like in every, just everything, athletes, musicians, uh, you know, um, CEOs, whatever. Um, so for me, I think it was never scarcity and there was never abundance. It was just a, a level of comfort. Um, but I always learned probably from my grandparents, spending a lot of time with them, just, you know, not to spend. Like I don't need new things. Um, like if something's broken or it doesn't fit, okay, then I'll buy something. But otherwise, I'll kind of make do with what I have because, and this is maybe something that transitioned, is like, I don't care what anyone thinks, but I don't, like these shoes I'm wearing are butters, yeah? When I left the house, my girlfriend goes, are you going to wear those in front of the guys? You're going to get out of the car with them? On? I was like, I am. What? Yeah. But the reason, and I spent a hundred quid, I spent the same as like, a, you know, a pair of nice shoes yeah, on yeah, yeah. Because they've healed like this problem I had on my hip and they've okay. changed the way I walk and yeah. they've fixed my, my like everything, mm. right? Because they're like barefoot shoes. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a hesitation. Whereas when I was younger, I would say, oh no, I shouldn't spend the money on that. But yeah. it's, it's literally fixed an issue I've had for mm-hmm. seven years in my hip yeah. in a week. Yeah. So I, I think changing to that kind of abundance mindset comes with money because yeah. you're like, oh, I could actually have an abundance that if I wanted. Um, but it also comes with changing your mindset. Like I don't need an abundance of stuff. I need an abundance of nature and mm. fresh air and friends and love and laughter and doing things like this. And uh, do you know what I mean? The fact that I can be here at this time and I could have been here at midday and like that I think is where the real transition came. Mm. An abundance of life, not necessarily an abundance yeah. of money. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, yeah, exactly. Well, well said. And in terms of the podcast you started as well, was that during... Um, when you got into your podcast, um, when you got into your property um, journey, so to kind of give back to people or you just kind of started the podcast early on before your property journey? I I started it eating my property journey, okay. but I started it before I did viewings, before I had real knowledge. I was learning. So every guest that came on, oh, okay. I, I was actually asking them stuff that I wanted to know. Yeah. Like now when I ask, it's for the audience because mm-hmm. I probably know a lot of these answers. But then I was genuinely like, yeah, so how'd you do this? So how'd mm. you do that? And people loved that because they're thinking the same thing. And I was asking it from a position of genuinely being like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, help me and teach me. Um, I did it because when I started, I didn't have a resource like that. There were podcasts, there were things, mm-hmm. but I just didn't have something. And I also looked at property and said, there's a lot of interesting people here. There's a lot of people here who are doing good deals, have good value, but they're not, 
they're not sharing it. They don't yeah. know how to. They don't know mm. how to build a brand. And I thought, I could probably do this. Lift them up. Give them a platform, which they're not creating for themselves. Learn myself. Build network. And help others, really. And that's kind of how it started. And that's hopefully what I've continued to do, except yeah. I've evolved. And people have followed my journey. Because people message me and say, oh, I'm on your first podcast from, was it, 2018? And they're like, oh, you had no properties, you were doing this. And then I heard the one from 2019 where you had like six. And then, and I'm like, oh yeah. And then they come to the now and they're like, whoa. Mm. It, so it's great for them to follow that journey. Mm. And that helps me raise money as well. Because they connect yeah. with me. Yeah, mm. that, to be honest, same reason Alex and I started a podcast as well, looking for resources and we couldn't really find it. And in terms of building that network as well, it is also a great tool. And yeah. That's even something why that others should also, if interested, start podcasts as well. Yeah, definitely. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not tech heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the tech here, but you know, you can get started for I don't know, less than 120 quid. Yeah. Probably even sure. less. You know, good mic is kind of all you need, a bit of hosting software, and that's it. So yeah, I think it's not for everyone. Not everyone can communicate clearly on audio. Um but it's so easy to set up. Mm. It's very hard to market though, mm. as you probably know, because it's yeah. not a social media. Yeah. There's no comments, there's no likes. You put it out there, but you need your Instagram, your Facebook, your LinkedIn to, to boost it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not my first recommendation because you need other stuff. It's my second or third recommendation for me anyway. No, for sure. So I got, I got a question and then there might be a follow-up question. Um, do you still continue ho- working harder right now? I love that question. No. Why? Because I get bored every three or four years of what I'm doing. Uh-huh. And property is something I will do forever because it's, it's an asset for life. It's, I know how to do it, like my approach now. I'll always be doing it. I'll always be conveyor belt, treadmilling. It'll, it'll always be buying houses, but not with the same passion and intensity. Um, I built my portfolio really quickly. So I bought 15 houses in my first nine months. COVID hit and then I bought two more which I still own one I'm selling one I think I'm keeping so I kind of did what I wanted to do which was build a portfolio that cash flows more than enough for me to retire do what I want whatever because maybe in my head it was always a stepping stone maybe it was always created to allow me to do other stuff that I'm super passionate about so you just went all in in a sprint basically a very very it was a sprint that was imagine sprinting a marathon Mm. like imagine 26 miles of Usain Bolt sprinting that's what it felt like Mm. and that's what it did to my health and my body and my mental health and everything Mm. Um, but I'm so grateful because the rewards are you know priceless the rewards Mm. are incredible and I've there's people who've done a lot more maybe slower but who are in an even better position but the reason I don't work as hard anymore in property is because I've got other interests like crypto, like NFTs, like mm. the garages, the M&A stuff I'm doing right now, like in the future, food stuff. Um, I think I'm not, I've got some friends who, and actually they're probably really good guests on here, who are so like, they're like Grant Cardone, the American dude, the mm. crazy shouty guy. They're just like, you have got these huge goals, need to hit them, like nothing matters, transaction, business, business. Mm. And I love that. It inspires me. Mm. But I need to take a deep breath when I'm with them because it's not me. Mm. Like I've worked hard to have a life that I can just be healthy and wealthy and carry on being happy and doing what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for me, that's why I don't work as hard in this sector. Mm. Um, I'm still, I'm putting in work in the, in the crypto and putting in work into the business buying sector. Um, and also into my education. I teach people. I've got a mentoring program. I've got like a community, which is a low cost thing. And so I'm putting a lot more effort into that. Um, 
but as you learn more, sometimes you can put in less effort. Um, my mantra for life is I want to put in the least effort and get the maximum result. Mm. Now, it's not lazy. It's fast and smart. Yeah, smart. If I can that shortcut, I'll do it and we'll get to the same result. If I can do, you know, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot to say on that topic. Mm. And I'm just not that person who is like, yeah, I need to get 100 properties in this year, do this, do that. Money is not, it's important. It's a vehicle. It's, it's, I don't know. It just doesn't mean that much to me. Mm. My happiness, my family, my friends, having fun, that means a lot more to me. And if I've made enough now and I'm making enough, I can do that. Then I'm going to do that. I'm not going to regret not working harder on my deathbed. I'm going to regret not chilling and talking to you guys. Yeah. And mm. Like just full life. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So I've just shifted. And that's a bit of stoic philosophy and a bit of like... Has that always approach. been the case though? Or... <sighs> no. And I think it's like this for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think when you hit anyone on a podcast, whether they've come into a bit of money or they're multi-billion millionaires, they all say, yeah, before I was chasing the money. And when I got it, I was like, this ain't shit. Mm. I'm now, I want yeah. life. You, you need to make the money to say money doesn't bring happiness. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's like, it's like any lesson in life. You, yeah. you know, you have to kind of do it to then be like, oh yeah, okay. Now I understand it. You know yeah. what? I, I, I used to say like money can buy happiness. And so I have this, <laughs> I have this say money, money can't buy happiness, but it buys mine, right? But within that, I mean, it gives you, it gives you the options to do stuff to be happy. So like, yeah. for example, if, if your life goal is to travel, you're going to need fun to do that. If your yeah. life goal is know, to, to buy as many cars or whatever, you, you need money to do that. Um, so yes, yeah, interesting point. And um, That's why I call it a vehicle, right? Yeah. Because it, it takes you to a place where you can then experience the happiness. But I think like real kind of philosophy, and this is, imp- I think this is impossible in the modern age to actually achieve because we've been so conditioned as well by the internet. Yeah. We should be able to look inwards and be on a beach. We should be able to look inwards and be happy and be somewhere we want to... Like, we shouldn't need money to be present and happy. But, you know, I think we do. I think we've been hardwired now to need a certain amount of money. Yeah. Um, but I have, like, mentees who are like, yeah, I want 100 grand a month income. I'm like, what are you going to spend on? <laughs> I'm like, what are you going to... Uh, are you, you going to give me some of it? What are you spending on? Mm. Um, and, like, I think when you really think, what do I actually want? You know, mm. even if you want X number of cars, X number of this travel, I think people need a lot less than we need. There's an American study, you might have seen it, um, which says when the people reach about $70,000 of income, which is, I don't know, 58,000 pounds, I think, um, which is high, double the UK average salary or more. After that point, the happiness yeah. sort of drops. It doesn't go any higher. Yeah. It's like a bell curve. So yeah. there's a lot to be said about money versus happiness. Have you changed your view now? Or do you still believe? Uh, so... So I, I still, I, I don't think money can buy happiness. I definitely cha- changed my view. So like now, right, it's just like, so what what I want, I've realized now what I want the money for. And it's 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 not for me. It's for my kids, mm-hmm. my family, you know what I mean? my little brothers, so they can have that to do stuff. Like, I want my kids to be able to go skiing, play piano. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't do that stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah, I've kind of just had a much more projected view on on life in like mm. the past couple of years. I like that. I like that. It happens, right? Yeah. Some people change, some people don't. We're all on our own path. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Exactly. For sure. And like you said, looking within and actually knowing what you want to do, who you want to be, what type of life you want will help you gauge that because at first it sounds great making 100k a, a month. But when you actually think about what is it that I actually want because there's a lot of responsibility that does come with that 
as well. And there's a lot of other headache that comes with it as well. So it's being sure of what you want and taking that time to reflect and kind of be headstrong in, in terms of that as well. I think people struggle though, because like you go on Instagram, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. it tells you now you need the new trainers. You need the iPhone 17XYZ, whatever it's called. Yeah. You need you need the new Rolex. Oh, they just released one. Oh, you, oh, you need that. Oh, well, look what I've got. Oh, you need the body. You need it. And it's so hard. And it's like instant generation where we just see the six pack. We just see the Lamborghini. Mm. Even if they say seven years of hard work, no one listens. They just say, Lamborghini, need it. Body, need it. And it's like, "Mm, you know, it takes time to get that. And we're so driven by, and I think culturally as well, when people come into money, like you were saying, you got money when you were like, come out of uni, you want to spend it. Especially if you grow up not having it, Mm. it's easy to just go and splurge it and spend it because that is how you, you know, (laughs) attract people, whether it's Mm. friends, whether it's potential relationships, like, and the world tells you, you need that. You need that to feel valid and you need that to feel like a complete person. Oh, can't you release new trainers? Why haven't you got them? Or oh, you're wearing the old ones. Or oh, they're, what, a month old? Oh, well, like, there's such a culture. Um, and I think it's really difficult to get out of that. Because if all your friends are doing that, like, where do you find people like us who want to do something different or mm-hmm. want to spend it or who invest? Like, it, it is so hard to get out of that. Um, and the world capitalism makes it very difficult and doesn't want you to get out of it, right? Mm. Yeah, for mm. sure. Definitely. But how long would it say it took you to be where you are now? Because even hearing back from the recruitment business as well, I think kind of, like you said, understanding like working is not for you and then wanting to build a life you have, that wasn't an overnight thing as well. So how how, how long did that take you? And also... What was it like in the in the early stages as well? Because obviously property sounds like a dream to everyone, but I'm sure there's a lot of headache that came with your first projects or even your your projects that you have now as well. Yeah, so I would say that the to answer the first question, I mean, to be the person I am, it's taken what, 28 years of life, I suppose, mm. like in, in technicality. But you know, it took, yeah, three or four years of recruitment. And then two or three years of property to be where I am and who I am now. Um, you know, the recruitment business, to be fair, yes, it was hard work. It wasn't that hard. I can't, I can't like, you know, make it like a sob story. Like it wasn't that hard. I got my first placement, which is about three grand of income in three or four weeks. That just kept happening, kept happening. Um, whether it was a good market, whether I was all right, I don't know. Mm. I mean, I know I wasn't the best. Like there's people out there who are making three grand a week, a day. I was crap. Like I genuinely was. Um, but then, you know, it took six to eight months to get to the point where I could pick up that phone to recruitment to, to a cold call or whatever and actually be confident. But really it took like two years before I was like, actually, yep, yeah, make the call. Cause I was still like, oh, I'll just email. I'll just, you know, it was, yeah, yeah. it took so long. Yeah. Um, and then property, you know, like I said, I bought 15 properties in my first nine months, but it took, a year at least after that until they were all finished in refurb, all refinanced, all chilling and making me money. Um, And yeah, property does sound like a dream and it can be, but honestly, property pisses me off more and more because there's so many, like people think they buy a house, find a builder, which is just difficult in itself, do a refurb. There's job, you know, Bob's your uncle. No. Every single thing I said there has like a hundred different mini points on it. And each of those mini points has a bullet point of other points that you have to know. Um, <clears throat> even when it comes to like lenders, getting mortgages, getting bridging, getting finance. So much. To this day, I have lenders still pissing me off. Like 
just with dumb, dumb stuff. And like people don't realize like you buy a property, you enter it, you do the work, then you have to exit it somehow or you have to exit your first form of finance if you're adding Mm. value. And that can be so painful because lenders are still stuck in the 90s and, you know, and then you've got builders who are just a totally different species to deal with. So it is incredibly hard when you're doing like a, a value add strategy. Yeah. Um, and it took, yeah, like buying all these properties that were 200 miles away from home, breaking down like mentally because I couldn't deal with like just everything going wrong. To this day, still fixing some issues that come up because the cowboy builders fixed most of them so far. but. You know, you kind of build this thing and you think, oh, yeah, we're set. Nope. Every month, new issues, new this, new that. Now, it's fine. I mm. speak to my tenants once a month, if that. The rent comes in. And look, I don't want to paint a dream of, oh, property can be super passive. But it is pretty passive for me. Yeah. Um, I've got two holiday lets as well. They bring in a lot of money. And they are 100% hands off. So, it can be good. But honestly, don't just jump in. Don't mm. just think, oh, well. They did it. Ted did it. Like, no, follow me and you'll see how angry I've been and how annoyed I've been at everyone, at every stage of the process. Mm. And because I share everything. Like, you know, you got radiators, right? And the pipes go into the floor and then they go into the boiler. So my plumber did all the stuff, new radiators, anything. So someone comes along who's checking something. And it's, it's a bit weird. They lifted the pipe and the pipe just swiveled. So what my original plumber did was got the pipes cut them and just stuck them in the floor. Literally in the floor. And nothing else coming out of them oh or going into them. God. Can you, can you imagine? I, that makes me look like an idiot. Yes. But I put that on my story with my builder commentating and being like, what the fuck going on here, mate? You didn't see this? Everyone pissed themselves. <laughs> but that makes me look dumb. Yeah. But it doesn't. Yeah. Because people say, whoa, you're very honest. Yeah. Two, if you can get effed over, who's experienced, geez, like what's going to happen to me? So, mm. Yeah, endless issues, endless trouble. But for me, it's been worth it in the end. Yeah, definitely. How did you get to that second property though? What was the step after you got? So yeah. first you said you had the 30K, the, the the rest from your investor, you bought and renovated it and started renting it out. What was the step like to get the second one? So the second one came, I think maybe two months afterwards. Uh, actually, to be fair, the first and second are probably like what my best deal. The second one is an incredible deal. Uh, I so I did what's called cross bridging because we bought the first house unencumbered, so there were no charges, there was no mortgage lender. It was me and the investor. I spoke to a bridging company. This is probably not. This is not. I don't do this anymore, and this is not really good for beginners. But they basically put security on that first house and the second house, and basically loaned me all of the money. Because that first house didn't have any security on it. It didn't have a charge on it. They put one on and said, happy days. Put one on the second house and happy days. We'll give you this amount of money. But they're winning, by the way, because they've got two houses worth 200 grand, but they're only lending me 100. So they know what they're doing. Took that money, bought the second house, refurbed it with that money as well. And then as it was kind of going along, they both kind of got refinanced. I pulled some money back out, most of it actually. And then through TED Talks, through social media, I started attracting investors. And then I raised, I think to date, it's about £870,000 from randomers. Mm. People on the internet, people on Instagram, people I met at like one event. And they've paid for the whole portfolio. I have not put any money in since. I've just taken money out. Um, Which when you think about it, that's pretty mad that I've not put any money in. Mm. I've built over a million pounds worth of a portfolio, probably more now because of the increase. 
there's not very much money left in. If I sell it, there's 250 grand, 200 grand there of profit that I've made out of thin air, not using my own money. It still blows my own mind. Mm -hmm. I look at this strategy and just think, what? Mm -hmm. It's crazy, but like, there's a lot, there's probably like, probably even <laughs> shit more of work that, that took to go into that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So everyone's going to think, oh, you know what? Yeah, I can do that as well. I'm going to start contacting people. When, you know, like, my mum always, always used to tell me knowledge is power. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, and right. also, you, say, you said it as well, put people before profit. Yes. And that, that to me is super key because once again, with the six degrees of separation or whatever it is when it comes to networking, building relationships, you legit never know what can come from it. And like, for you to say that all the money comes from you putting yourself out there, your podcast, and also just building like, genuine and authentic relationships with people, You've been able to kind of build this property portfolio worth millions. So yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, that's very, very impressive and a huge lesson there mm. as well. I think even 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 off the back of that, right? Um, so obviously I talked to so basically I started a new a new job in October, right? And I was able to build like a very solid network of just like trusted advisors, people who mm. just give me their advice gen genuinely, right? Mm -hmm. And like uh, like people Some of the people Who I manage Are like, oh, like How did you do it I'm just like Just showing up And just being myself Really Like <laughs> that's it, It's not a science it, yeah. to it Do you know what I mean Like just that's it. Just being genuine Most people don't show up Yeah They're in bed But yeah No Yeah Showing up and being genuine It has a lot of A, a lot of benefits Whether it's financial Or not financial yeah, like you beat ninety percent of the competition by just mm. showing up. So it's true, and that's such a shame, right? That like mm. most the thing that stops most people is just not turning up. Yeah, like but I suppose there's a lot to it, right? It's anxiety of walking to room, not knowing anyone, being fearful of oh, what are they going to say? Like you were saying, the kind of cultural thing of not telling people what are they going to say, what are they going to think, or oh, what if I don't know anyone? There's so much fear mm -hmm. that we create, like like. You know, there's also stoic quotes on it, but Shakespeare said it really well. He goes, nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Yeah. Like, there's nothing, nothing is good or bad. It's what we perceive it as. Because something could happen right now, you might love it, I'd hate it, you might like it. Mm. But it's the same for, what? It's the same thing. Yeah. And it's, it's the same with people's perception of life and their reality. It's like, what, you know, what frame, what filter are you putting on life? You know, are you seeing it how you're seeing it and turning up? Or are you seeing it as... Oh, no, I'm a bit worried. I don't mm. like, but again, it's hard to do that. If all your friends are nine to fivers, they don't want to get out of it um, and they're happy with it, but you're not happy with it. And they go to the pub every Friday, get pissed like most people in London and they spend all the money there, like a lot of young people in London. How are you going to get out of that? Oh, you're not coming up on Friday, mate. There's so, like, there's so many cultural things that stop us and keep us where we are mm. that only by, I think, listening to a conversation like this or other conversations are people going to like, open their minds to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You talk, like you said, you're very much a stoic. How's, how did you get into stories, stories then? So I think just like one of these things, it must've just come up on Facebook, in somewhere like that, or on Amazon when I was looking for like mindset books. And I started reading Ryan Holiday, who's kind of like yeah. the king of stoics. The king, yeah. You know, in terms of like... He's got the book, The Daily Stoic, right? Yeah. I'll read it every day, incredible book. He's yeah. got like four or five now on like stoicism. And he's such a good writer. He's such a like chill dude, and he just he just converts this Latin yeah. old language into like normal English. Yeah, highly recommendable. Honestly, it's, it's, it's mm -hmm. everyone needs to read it. And the Daily Stoic is like mm -hmm. a daily reminder of who we should be, arguably. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't at like a bad time in my life or anything. I just read it. 
you know what it was? I think I was looking to learn more about ego. Mm. Because Ego is the Enemy is the first book I read of his. And it's the first book, and all of his do this, but his, it was the first book I ever read that I read once and it changed me. Mm. Like, I didn't have to think, ah, I read that. Let me just change how I respond. I just was like, I'm behaving differently. Mm. I'm thinking differently. And that's just ridiculous. Like, how does that happen from a book? Like, that just doesn't. Mm. So something about the book, because he, he's quite repetitive in it. You don't realize till you read it again. It just got to me and it changed me. And I was like, okay, this shit works. Like, because my ego used to like be irritating. It used to just, it wouldn't get me in good situations. And so by reading that and learning from it, it changed me. Mm. So I highly recommend it. Especially, I think with men as well, we struggle with egos. And, yeah, 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 100%. So it's, it's a must read, I think. You've also written two books as well. How is, yes. how is that journey? And also, where can our listeners purchase it? Or find of course, it? so it's on Amazon. Um, the first one is a Kindle, it's a hardcover, paper cover, and it's an audible. Second one is a hardcover and a paper cover. Um, the first one is basically the guide to buy refurbish refinance, which is the strategy that I do, um, which I've kind of been talking about. The second one is actually a compilation of 43 different property investors answering lots of different questions. So think about like Tim Ferriss's tribe of mentors, mm. but for property. So yep. if you're new to it, it's great because you can just sort of dive in and understand 43 different opinions not always the best thing but sometimes it's good to kind of understand what different things people are doing um, I love writing mm. I love communicating I suppose that's why I have a podcast and YouTube and things like that but it was a I started writing it in do you remember early lockdown yeah when he first came on TV you've got to stay at home you, know, you can't leave you yeah. Know, yeah. early days yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, when people actually trusted him uh like when we were literally like, you can't even go for a walk. Yeah, Do you remember yeah, those yeah, things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't want to remember. It was dark times. It was dark times. I look back and think, not even a walk. Yeah. Like the fact we've all, we've all coped. I mean, we're all scarred with mental health issues mm -hmm. afterwards. Mm, yeah, and literally. arguably, should it be done, should it not, different topic. But the fact we've all come out of it, you know, is, is a thing in itself, mm -hmm. right? Like, because it's, it's so weird. Mm. I started it then because I was like, well, I'm going to be here for a few months. I ain't going anywhere. I ain't doing shit. So, and property was just there. Let me just write it. And I've mm. always wanted to write a book. Um, I'm writing my third one now, which is more nice. about mindset. Amazing. Um, but yeah, I love writing. You've got to do another podcast and I have to do Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'll bring it here and just have it all laid yeah. out. Like, <laughs> signing. Exactly. Um, yeah, I love writing. I love reading. What do you, what do you like about writing? Because obviously, like I said, I got my newsletter and coming up to two years now. But nice. Consistent, Yeah, I know. I know it's, it's been, yeah, not easy building every that Monday. muscle, but it's kind of dedicating to mm -hmm. it and like, yeah, showing that I can show up every Monday for, for myself, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I love writing as well because it helps me structure my thoughts. And when I'm learning something, I very much start to write it down. And then I put in a digestible format for my audience and for mm -hmm. my readers and stuff. But what do you love about, about writing as well? I think it's quite meditative. Mm. Like, like when I go to the gym, for example, I don't have headphones on. People sound really weird. No headphones. <laughs> I mean, the gym plays some nice tunes, but like, for me, the gym is meditation. Even though I'm, I'm physically stressed, I'm, mm. my n nerves are stressed, like I'm calm. I am mm. like one with them. I'm so present. It's kind of like that with writing because I put my nose cancelling headphones on, which has been an incredible investment, mm. um, especially when you work from home with someone in the office with you. Um, and I put my phone upside down, do not disturb mode, emails closed, and I just write. And the same as you, it helps me structure my thoughts. I think... Like, I love public speaking. I think I'm good at it. The one thing I always struggle with, people haven't noticed it, but I always struggle with is my structure. Mm. My brain's like this, 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 this. But it needs to be like one, two, three, four, five. So it helps me structure my thoughts. 
Um, and, and it's so peaceful. Um, and I think it allows me to communicate in a form that is never going to disappear. Yeah. I mean, audio and stuff doesn't disappear, but there's something old school and cathartic about a book. Yeah. Like I, I don't agree. like reading. I cannot read digitally. I mm. won't. Yeah. Even audio, audio books I don't really like. For me, physical stuff goes straight into my head. Yeah. So, yeah. For sure. No, no, amazing. Obviously, like you said, you've got another book on the way, but what else is exciting you right now? What else are you looking forward to? So crypto was exciting me <laughs> um, until I got skewered, um, <laughs> until we all got a bit. I mean, the markets right now are just crazy. Yeah. Like with, with anything, with cars, a semiconductor shortage, like it, it's, I mean, I had, I had a car bought it for like 800 quid. I just sold it for 1,400 and it had a bunch of errors and issues and it is what it is. And, you know, I know people buying Lamborghinis and they're making 30, 40 grand on it a couple of months later. You cannot get new ones. It's mad. It's mad. You know, so this market is actually exciting because mm. where's the opportunity? You know, what can we leverage right now that we couldn't before? And cars being, you know, assets. Yes, yeah, some cars are assets, but generally the liabilities mm. flipped. Yeah. Who would have thought something you buy or oh, drive off the forecourt, mate, you lose 20% straight away. Mm, I'm gaining it. Yeah. Mm. So, I had a crazy excess in my, in my last car mm. when I gave it back. Yeah. And that's the kind of market at the moment. So I'm definitely interested in crypto. Yes, it's volatile. Yes, it's crazy. But the technology, especially the blockchain and NFTs, especially in property, why isn't every property an NFT? Why haven't we got a digital title? Why are we dealing with these dinosaurs at Landreg and these dinosaur solicitors? Mm. So I'm really excited about the tech behind it and also the payment solution. Some of these coins are doing things that you know, JP Morgan dream of, yeah. but they can't because they're so old school. Or like yeah. Barclays are now developing an app and we're like, we had that years ago. So I think that's really exciting. Um, you know, one of my NFTs, for example, I bought it for 600 quid. I've taken out about two and a half grand from it of staking. And Shaquille O'Neal bought one. Ice Cube bought one, the same like type of NFT. And at its peak about a week and a half ago, it was worth 28,000 pounds. So oh, I'm not getting that in property, am I? So <laughs> you see, well, it, it's kind of exciting. Now it's kind of dropped like 20 grand, but I mean, only stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, sure. You know, buying, I love cars. So buying the MOT, like today, yesterday, I saw a garage. Today I went to the house. I was offering on it. I've got some more accounts. Of it. Like this kind of buying businesses is super exciting because I'm so passionate about it. And because I like transforming things. Mm. You know, they're quite old school garage owners. They're a bit sort of outdated. I'm going to transform it. Social media, interior design, branding, everything. That's what I like doing. The running of it, eh, fine mm. but I like coming in fixing it transforming it so that's really exciting me at the moment and I'm doing a lot more public speaking and things like this yeah. I said no to a lot of podcasts for a while I can't remember why um, so now I'm doing more of this thank just, you for saying yes yeah, yeah it's, it's honestly, cool it's, man it's, it's, listen Tunde co-signed you just have to yeah, thank him he's like I think you should I was like mm, are you sure I don't and <laughs> he was like nah do it um, <laughs> now but like I think yeah just <sighs> life is exciting man. Yeah, no, like definitely. just and that summer's here, ish, yeah. ish, ish. Yeah, kind of. And British like, summer. Yeah, but yeah. Oh yeah. So I've got three days of it left. Yeah. But yeah, like just today, I was walking. I live in the countryside. So I was walking in the fields in a t-shirt, having mm. done that in like six months, <laughs> and I was just like, "Wow, this yeah. is." But like, I feel really good. Yeah. I was just happy. So, life. Yeah. Life's yeah. exciting. Amazing. And yeah, so we always end the podcast with a word or quote for the week because we drop every Monday. So I'm going to put it on the spot right now. What's your word or quote for the week for our listeners? So they can go in motivated and mm. fresh. Um, let me see if I can get this right. So I, I think it's by Seneca, who's a Stoic philosopher. I think he said, if you know not which port you sail, 
and no wind is favorable. Now, it took me a couple of listens to get yeah. that. What he's saying is, if you don't know which port you're sailing to, if you don't know what your goal, your target, where you're going to, then you don't know when a wind, an opportunity or a threat is favorable because you don't know where you're going. So if I want to go here, but you've given me an opportunity, I might say, no, 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 that isn't, no, no, no. But I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. But if I know where I'm going, I know that's an opportunity, that's not. Yeah. So it's a very overly fancy way, very mm. poetic way of saying, if you don't know your goals, you don't know how you're going to get there and you don't know what's going to help you get there. Yeah, amazing. It's an amazing. Amazing. Quote. Nothing nothing else to add on that. Where can our listeners find you? Um, also, shout out your podcast as well. Where can they find you, your social media and everything else? And also, if they want to be in contact as well. Yeah, so um, just Tej Talks. Tej.talks on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Playlist, Apple Podcasts, Google Pod. Hopefully, Anyway, I think I'm on Amazon Alexa as well. If you ask okay. me to play talks, I think she cool. she plays. We'll, we'll give it a try. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, anywhere and anything that's yellow and it, and me, this is me. And Instagram's probably the best place to get me. Send yeah. me a DM, mention the podcast, and I'll I'll have a chat with you. Yeah, perfect. We'll add it all to the show notes yeah, anyway, man. so they can reach out for me directly from from there. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast for all the gems you dropped. Yep. And yeah, super grateful for it. Thanks for having me. And there you have it, guys. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. And Tune focus into on Ch- things that move the needle. And tune into Ted Talks as well. Wow. Okay. Wow.